0: Hey, it's Mark Shafley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric podcast. Um
1: avoid legal snags by telling people they're being recorded. Okay, go.
0: Okay, I'm uh just pouring out the water from my noodles. Hey there, Jets fans. This is episode 56, and this is your pre-intro intro. Um, in the episode, we actually do it. I did a little intro uh, while Mike was reading something, so uh, you're going to hear us throw to the episode again uh, right away, but just want to apologize for some audio issues. Issues. Uh, an app that we're using is no longer available to... Um, remedy some of those issues a free app so uh we're looking into some other things but for now there was a little bit audio where it kind of cuts out a bit and i did want to make mention that we did want to get to the the topic of talking about the jets travel schedule as an excuse but we didn't get to it but i think we're pretty much done wrapping on the 2018-19 season from here on in it's going to be the draft and kind of the the new year and uh, new players so Um, that's it for 2018-19 thank you all for listening we're at 24,000 plus listens now Uh, end of the month in June we're gonna be at our one-year anniversary of doing this so thank you all for sticking with us anyhow here is the episode or I should say the intro to the episode uh, of just Mike and myself just having a little chat so enjoy Hey there, Jets fans welcome back to the Jetcentric podcast my name is AJ one of your hosts and I'm here with uh, Mike who is also one of your hosts and you'll probably be hearing him a lot more this uh, upcoming season doing more and more hosting uh, I'll probably focus a little bit more on some interviews uh, we are doing right now episode uh, something something 50 something 60 something I'm not really sure what it is uh, we're still in the middle of Jets offseason uh, the Stanley Cup Finals is set. St. Louis Blues versus Boston Bruins is coming up. And uh, so that's, a, I guess, if you're into that, you can look forward to it. But we really wanted to kind of do a final wrap on the season. I mean, we're going to be moving into the draft soon. Uh, and then, you know, players are getting signed. And there's going to be a lot of other stuff to talk about that isn't this past season. So uh, we do want to just kind of talk a, a little bit about that. I'm going to give a little intro to some stuff coming up. Uh, Mike and I have been chatting with Bartley Kivas about, uh, talking about the business side of uh, the Winnipeg Jets. So uh, hopefully at some point Mike will do that. I've been chatting with Max Giese, who is a scout for the Winnipeg Jets. He is going to be in the city after the draft during the development camp, and we are going to meet up and chat no matter what. And hopefully if we get approval from the Jets, uh, we going to interview him and have him on the podcast. Um, chatted with Melissa Martins again the other day. Roddy's going to do a, an interview with her and Scott Oak and Ezra Ginsberg from uh, Legal Curve at some point too. Sorry, I keep saying at some point. Uh, Blake Spiller from the Portage Cherries, who just won the Anovic Cup a couple weeks ago. Uh, they killed it this year. One of the best junior coaches in the country. i uh, going to talk to him probably have marat on again at some point and leah i always i never know if it's leah or leah hextall i'm terrible i've talked to her a bunch of times but uh, i always get it wrong leah hextall i'm gonna go with leah uh we're gonna talk about the women's game there's been a lot of uh news there with uh, one league folding and the women kind of holding out and so we're gonna talk about the history of how we got to this point and the future what she sees with the women's game uh down goes brown i gotta read this book before i interview him alex Einart from UND. He does the announcing there. He's a play-by-play guy. He's awesome play-by-play guy. Um, does not just hockey as well. Can I have him on. Uh, NHL Hockey uh, Girl, if you're on Twitter, I'm not sure if she's on other social media. She's going to come on and we'll probably do a bunch of uh, Jets trivia or fun facts or something like that uh, from Jets 1.0 and 2.0. I'm sure she can give us some, some interesting uh, topics. So um, let's see. What else? Oh, and next season, Mike, I haven't mentioned this to you yet. I know you're there listening, but uh, we got some guys that might be doing some junior hockey slash Winnipeg ice slash prospect talk uh, semi-regularly, and we'll probably roll out episodes that will not have any of your regular hosts, but have those guys on and uh, and do some stuff. That's at least the tentative plan right now. And Lindsay Hamilton from TSN and Patrick Williams still uh, I've left him alone for a while so I'll, I'll we'll get back to bugging him before the season starts and uh, for anybody who's into the old Jets, Jets 1.0 the 78, 79 Winnipeg Jets uh, the WHL champions uh, won the, uh, was it, Avco Cup, they're doing a reunion on I believe June 1st at the Radisson Hotel $175 tickets but if you go there you can meet all these old timers including friend of the show, friend of mine uh, great guy who I'd love to have on the podcast uh, nine times a week, Scott Campbell. He's my favorite, um, so we'll have him on again at some point. But uh, anybody looking for an event and have an extra 180 bucks to blow, you should go check that out because uh, I'm sure that'd be a good event. And if you have even more money, you can uh, e-transfer it to the podcast myself, and I could send my dad, who would love that. So. Anyhow, okay, we're gonna get into it. We got some stuff to talk about leadership the recent Mike McIntyre uh, Piece about Paul Maurice. We're gonna talk about some of the excuses um, That was used to defend the Jets and just go over the season a little bit uh, how we moved on as Jets fans and uh, yeah, just uh, I, I suppose touching on a little bit of the playoffs since so um Okay, now, Mike, I'm going to invite you in. You should say hello to the people. Quit being rude. Mike, how's it
1: going? What's up, everybody? Glad to talk Jets again.
0: There he is. All right, so uh, one thing, let's just kind of get to playoffs as it is. So the Jets lost uh, to St. Louis on April 20th, the 420 day. Uh, That is, what's the day today? The 22nd, 23rd. That's a, a little over a month ago. The Saint Louis Blues have played 13 games since, including seven home games, which would equal seven street parties. I thought you asked a good question, Mike. Uh, oh, and they're they're destined to go at least until June 3rd if uh, they sweep or get swept by um, Boston. I think it's it's an interesting topic you brought up. Just about would the Jets fans even have an appetite? I mean, we've all moved on from the season. I'm, I'm sure like this episode alone is going to get uh, 10 listens because. Most everybody's telling everybody else to sh- <laughs> up about the Jets, right? So, But hockey's still being played, uh, you know, at uh, a couple different levels, too. The World Hockey Championships and the Junior, uh, too. But we're just, just now, uh, you know, a month after our Jets being eliminated, finally getting to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, what's your take on that? Do you think uh, everybody would still be invested or still be able to pay their bills had the Jets played an extra seven home games and uh, 13 games total and spent another month, month and a half. That's a, it's pretty wild, right? I, I think, I mean, we did it last year, but this, this is a good reminder of, of what it really takes to, to win the cup, the, the time investment at least. So yeah, I just Well, the time investment, yeah. I mean, the time
1: investment as a fan, right? I mean, I, <laughs> I, it seems like it's such a war for the players and, and, uh, and uh, I have a lot of sympathy for those guys. But yeah, to be honest, we're a month away from, we're a month, uh, over a month out from this already. And I feel like I've totally forgotten about hockey. Uh, it's a, it's a marathon for fans. I, and honestly, man, I don't understand how sitting back at it now. I, I can't even imagine being, uh, going through that, that, um, you know, massive, like, you know, anticipation, anxiety, adrenaline kick, like every two days, Followed by after after every game, spending three hours on Twitter like arguing about what the coach should have done. I mean, man, alive like that's just so far in the rear view, rear view mirror for me, and I can't imagine. Um, I just have a difficult time imagining what that would be like right now. To be honest,
0: <laughs> I know it's it's crazy. Could you? Yeah, like like you said, spending all that time energy invested, not just watching but talking about it and thinking about it and getting ready for the next day and painting your face white and you know, the, seeing if you need street uh, ticket parties and you know, buying some some tickets last second. Yeah, there's there's a lot there, time and, and, and money invested and uh, uh, now seeing this, it's almost like, I don't I, I'll liken it to the Alabama uh, college football team who's been to so many championships that they're getting less and less of their fans actually traveling as they continue to get deeper and deeper into their dynasty. Um, I mean, the Jets, we, we had the one run last year, so it's, I'm not getting, I getting—I don't want to get too ahead, too far ahead of ourselves. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's something else, man. When you add on an extra, what is it, uh, 7, uh, 28, up to 28 extra games after playing 82, right? I mean, that's assuming every uh, series goes to 7. But, you know, you're playing at least another 20, you know, likely. That that is a big commitment, and I kind of like that we've moved on from it. Even when we're getting ready for tonight to to do this, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, the Jets. Who's a, who's on that team again, right? So we've. So been are you telling that- me
1: that you're just you're just happy to have the team back? You're just glad that the Jets are back, and now you're you know you're uh, you're leader of team complacency. Is that what I'm hearing here, AJ? Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, like, let's just uh, you know move the team. It doesn't matter anymore. Right. We, (laughs) no, no, I think it's good because it does put everything into perspective, what it takes to win the cup, how hard these guys go. I mean, and uh, we've been detached from it now. So when they do finally win it, the joy that they have, how crazy awesome it is for the fans, but also as we've all gone on with it and people been talking about other sports and watching more basketball or getting ready for football season. Um, how meaningless sports is too, right? I mean, it's fun. It's great. It's good for connecting. It's, uh, you know, uh, municipal pride and whatnot. But at the same time, it's, it's completely nothing and meaningless. And so when it's not there, it's okay. But when it is, cool. hey, pretty cool when it is too, right? So,
1: No, 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 no. It, it, as far as I'm concerned, it is what it is. And I think that, uh, I mean, some of the things that we're talking about is just the fact that the NHL is set up. It's, it's really maxed out. Uh, as far as they've like an 82 game regular season schedule followed by like the playoffs is this crazy tournament, like uh, seven, like all these seven game series. It's, uh, it's long. Like what is the, from, from, uh, from game one of the first round to, you know, if a series goes six or seven games in the finals, right? Like we're talking over two months, I believe. yeah So it's a lot of time. And so I'm not, you know, so I mean like I think hockey I think hockey is great and I love having the Jets back all that stuff it's uh but I do think it's kind of like a reality as far as your time and energy and yeah your money like you said before. So I don't so I think I think like it is what it is you know we should now that now that we're as Jets fans we should be kind of hitting our stride a bit. I think we're in year 7 or 8 with them coming back so we've kind of we're kind of past the point where you know everybody everybody was you know, clawing at the, clawing at the drywall, trying to, trying to get into the MTS center or whatever, you know, like, like there's tick, there are tickets available. They're not easy to get. There's a waiting list for seasons. Um, but at least like speaking from my experience in our ticket group, it's, um, you know, know, people, people wanted to go for the, they wanted to go for the Thursday, Friday, Saturday night games. They, you know, they wanted to pick their matchups and stuff, but it was, you know, mainly people were kind of waiting for waiting for playoffs. People took the, people were pretty early on taking games. Like you know, they took their original six games, yeah, but they wanted to get games towards the you know after the trade deadline and and uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's a lot of atten- it's a lot of attention and effort and energy to 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 put into it. At least if you're you know nerds like like we are. I mean, we you know, podcasts and all that. But, you know, if you if you're a regular person and you just read uh read free press articles uh once in a while or Sun articles about the jets like you know there's not probably a big they have less of a problem than we do so yeah
0: yeah we we kind of live and die by it right i mean it's yeah it's fun but you know what actually you mentioned the the ticket group thing i and a ticket group that i currently run and actually we're going into season nine next season just so you know wow. and uh And I will just make a point about that in September, which will be a topic that will come up. uh, I believe it's uh, Marat and I have chatted about this. I believe it's a 20, no, the 19th or something that the players association has to ratify or approve the extra two years to the C the current CBA, because the owners definitely will. I mean, they've will have added two teams and uh, you know, went from, Four billion dollars to five billion dollars of you know worth for it, but the players have the chance to uh, you know approve for another two years, and if they do, then hey, no lockout or any labor strikes for two years. If they don't, then uh, they basically have the year to get a deal in place because then if the if the players say no, they have to have something by the following September. Otherwise, we start talking lockout. So this might be the last season before a lockout, unless you know the players. Say yay in September, which uh, who knows? I mean, there's going to be lots of, uh, you know, we can do some research and find out what the big, big hangups there. But uh, I was going to say, with the, my ticket group, I'm curious uh, if your ticket group, if you're finding the same thing, this being the last year, everybody in my ticket group, there's uh, eight, eight of us, uh, everybody's like, okay, w- you know, we've spent enough time, we spent enough money, this is fun, I don't need to have. All this and everyone says, I'm out. After this year, we we just let the tickets go. We don't uh we're not renewing at all. There's and there's not even one person that's interested in taking over. I'm wondering if uh you've had the same feelings. Are you guys gonna keep going or let it go and see if you can kind of get in quietly
1: with another group where less commitment and, and time and money? Honestly, and this is I mean, this actually would be a really good uh this would almost be an interesting dedicated episode to be honest, just to talk about this stuff. Um, because yeah, I mean you're not gonna hear it you're not gonna read an article in the Free Press or Sun about about this. Um but yeah, I guess since you asked, our group is super solid. We have had people come and go, but there's always there's always people ready to jump in. And for context, we're uh our group is the P six price level. So uh fairly reasonable and we and we have it set up so it's split into fairly small shares, I guess. So I right. think it works out to You know, as far if you broke it into single tickets, it would be I think eleven tickets per per person, and it works out to uh, I guess roughly seven hundred dollars per share. So, so it's kind of like you know, it's the bulk buy. It's it's sort of a a bite size. I yeah, it's a. I guess what we're finding is it's for most people it's kind of an okay. It's an okay amount. Some people have a couple of those shares, so you know, so they're writing, they're writing the you know fourteen hundred dollars or more. uh, You know that checks of that size right but yeah uh, i don't know i mean i'm guessing it all depends on kind of like what your what your group is and stuff and if there's you know people connected and and all that too because yeah but um yeah so basically that's that's kind of our experience like we're we're rock solid you know you know chipman would be very happy when he looks at the stability of our group uh so so uh you're welcome you're welcome uh lord chipman but um <laughs> But I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I'm I'm definitely curious. Uh, I'm definitely curious how, yeah, how, how some of the other how some of the other groups are doing out there because, in a way, True North has really offloaded uh, a lot of that sort of organizational responsibility onto onto individual like onto onto you know you're kind of the middleman. If you're running your ticket group, you're almost in a sense working on behalf of True North to keep like salary or to keep the uh, season ticket retention high. You know what I mean?
0: Yep. Cause you're chasing people for money and you're trying to replace people in your group. Yeah, absolutely. They did add something. I think it was two seasons ago that if you had a uh, ticket season tickets it, and you wanted to sell, I think it was at least nine games uh, you could kind of go to their website, like a ticket, a seat exchange or something and find people that would kind of add in just for that year um, I don't know. I guess I'm guessing they wouldn't pay any security deposit or, or anything, but, uh, there was something like that. I didn't see anything the last year or two, but I know that was a thing that they did to try and help people looking to connect with other people who want a ticket. So, um, I know, and you said, uh, make that a, a whole episode. You had so many good ideas and, and topics to talk about just the fan experience in general, which I think we should get into at some point, but not, uh, not today we'll have to do some research i know we've touched on it before but uh we'll we'll have to definitely do that because uh, it's definitely changed over the years in some ways you know for the better maybe and but in some ways i, I don't know we'll have to get into it and decide
1: and, yeah let's uh, do let's do a yeah. separate one on that cuz definitely there's i think there's some things to talk about for sure on that
0: yeah okay so now talk about the jets in this last season now then actually the, the play on the ice. I know we've kind of done everything except talking about the play on the ice. Um, you had this great idea. I thought you guys were going to tackle it a little bit more last time uh, you guys recorded. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't with you guys, but I to talk a little bit about some of the excuses and some that you found that I thought were um, interesting uh, uh, topics was just people talk about the Jets being a young team. Now um, there was uh, an interview with Zdeno Chara, that a lot of people have probably seen on Twitter. People commenting on. I saw Arctic Ice had commented. Uh, this guy Byron. I'm not sure he if he listens to the podcast. He was the first one I saw comment on it and, and bring it to my attention uh, a day before Arctic Ice did. He he beat them to it. And uh, it was it was an interesting just little you know one minute two minute blurb just about leadership, about people's roles on the team and uh, how Char sees it. I thought he had a very mature. Approach to it, and uh, yeah, I, I liked his take, and I was curious what uh, what you thought of it, and maybe how that applies to the Jets, and how some of the people have perceived the Jets and their leadership group, or maybe how people have talked about certain players, whether it's from Maurice or from the veteran players or, or whatnot. But uh, yeah, I was wondering uh, what you thought of the the Little Chara interview and what you your takeaway and how it applies to our team. Right. So Zdeno
1: Chara, everything from every little bit that I've heard, he apparently is just is quite the quite the guy. He is just like really active and uh, he just he seems to maybe not to not to generalize, but he's he seems like quite a quite a specimen as far as the NHL goes. He he um, I think he's like, you know, even like dietary, like he's he's like I think he's been pursuing like a vegan you know lifestyle and he's like a, a really avid cyclist. And everyone has heard probably about how his attention to fitness just in in the gym and stuff. And so he seems like quite a remarkable guy. And I, and, uh, and apparently too, he's a, he's a student of leadership and everything as well. Uh, kind of just done just in terms of that aspect. And yeah, so like you mentioned his, uh, he was quoted, I think recently someone asked him about, um, uh, just, you know, I think, I think he was just asked about, you know, the number of, you know, rookies that are on Boston's team or just young players, like, you know, kind of graduates from, from their Providence AHL team. And, and uh, I thought, yeah, basically, Chara sort of put that, put that to bed and sort of used it as an opportunity to say, it's seemingly to, to give us a glimpse into how, into how kind of the Boston Bruins leadership group is intentional about incorporating, um, yeah, not just really serious about having no barriers uh, and, you know, sort of like uh, ageist or whatever you want to call it, uh, dividing lines in the dressing room and he um i thought that it was actually i thought that it was actually really cool and and you know for one of the older players in the league like quite very a uh, very new school approach from him and uh and yeah i mean because he was a guy standing there and it's not it wasn't the, st- the typical sort of you know pay your dues uh you know i mean when i was younger like you know it's always like the like like the rookie hazing attitude and stuff like if you you know, the further back you go in the rear view mirror and stuff, there's like, like it just gets more and more drastic, this kind of attitude. And, and uh, yeah, but just total opposite uh, from, from, from what Chara was saying. And like you alluded to in your question, uh, it, you can't help, but, but draw a connection like, like Arctic ice hockey. And uh, I heard Hus, Hustler talk about it on 1290 as well. Uh, just draw that connection between, you know this this kind of attitude where they're in, where Boston's been very intentional about just really really um, making their their young players equals with their veterans, and some of the rumors and articles that uh, that have been written about the Jets and and I mean let's let's not forget I mean how many <laughs> I don't know if you watch do you watch those post game interviews AJ because there's a lot of I feel like we could go and spend 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 a bunch of spend a couple hours just looking up Paul Maurice talking about how young his team is and insinuating how much of a problem that is. And yeah, I I guess yeah, you're right. Just that's, that's quite a different. I'm rambling on a little bit, but and I'll stop talking. But but uh, yeah, it was quite a difference. And yeah, I don't know. What did you think, man? What did you make of that?
0: Well, first of all, never try to ramble me because I I will ramble and ramble, and I'm starting already. Um, you know what I, I I really enjoyed it. I like listening to to him talking. Like you said, it kind of uh, gave you a different insight. And it's funny because uh, I can't remember who the media person was that commented on uh, St. Louis and Boston being like two of the the. Teams that hit the most, right? So, the two of the toughest teams, they hit the most and everything. And then Ryan Lambert, uh, two line pass uh, at two line pass on Twitter. Um, I can't remember who he works for. Uh, Yahoo, I think he works for Yahoo, does some writing for them. Um, anyhow, he commented uh, on it saying, I think it's so funny. That this is what people focus on when you talk about the Boston Bruins is the fact that they hit the most and he wasn't even saying anti-hitting and then he he went on to kind of clarify his point a little bit. It's like the Boston Bruins are, you know, one of the most skilled teams. I mean, they were second in the East, if I'm not mistaken, right behind Tampa Bay yeah. and Toronto yeah. was third. Right. So you're talking about a team that is a highly skilled team. Going into the playoffs, not a team that decided to be really, really tough in the playoffs and win. So not only are they highly skilled, but it sounds like also they have a progressive way of thinking about, um, you know, the, their their leadership and and people's involvement and, and whatnot. So those two things speak way louder to me. <laughs> uh, highly skilled team you know uh with a lot of great players and a, a you know a good leadership group and a, you know a, a goalie playing out of his mind uh helps for sure too we all know that about uh, not to over complicate how how you win games i mean um whatever i won't get into you know the, all the details of how hockey is played and how it's different from other sports but i mean you got a goalie playing out of your mind you got a highly skilled team and you have this leadership group that's really good, and then then maybe we could talk about a tough, you know, hitting style of hockey and, and how meaningful that is. I mean, that's that's just them actually executing the game of hockey at some point, right? Like, that's that's just part of it. So, uh, it, for me, it kind of ties into yeah, just a, a couple things. I, I really liked it. Uh, I and I'm sure, being Char and the respect that he probably demands in the room, I think probably everyone else is on board. I don't think he's just kind of uh, a man uh, just an island to himself saying this stuff and everyone else thinks no no uh, let's go haze the rookies or something stupid like that right I think uh, you know when he speaks people listen and uh, yeah he's well respected so it was nice to hear I think for hockey in general but like you said to contrasting that to the way um, Jets uh, have talked specifically Maurice about yeah his his uh, yeah, you know, young players. Uh, not, not as much this year, but certainly in other years. Making it sound like having these crazy skilled uh, youth is the most problematic thing about the team, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> not, not, man, as
1: if not, that's as if that's the problem.
0: Yeah. I mean, give me a not, break.
1: So, so this is the, this is my thing. Like, I was, uh, yeah. When the, when the season was nearing nearing done, I just kept on hearing this, right? Like how how young a team the Jets are and stuff, and I just, uh. So I actually like did some looking into it basically on that question. And yeah. how young are we? So so the, well, so basically say- so so we're so if you go by average age, which is what like 99.9% of the discourse on this would be, uh, you know, if Maurice was going to cite how old the Jets are, he's going to go average age. So we're sixth youngest uh, this year in the NHL. So oh, yeah, that's that's a, yeah. that's a pretty young team, right? Yeah. So that's a pretty young team. But when you look in a little bit deeper, uh, it's really, first of all, like, when you look at it, we're talking, like, very small, like, margins. Like, we're talking, like, okay, so, so like, the Jets' uh, average age was 26.1. Well, it's, like, 26.1, 26.2, 26.2. You know, it's, like, teams are, like, it's not like you're, it's not like it's your beer league where you have the young guys of a bunch of 18-, 19-year-olds playing teams of 60-year-olds running stupid like that. Like, these... Right. The teams in the NHL are basically the same age. I mean, you have some outliers like the LA Kings uh, who, um, you know, they're, they're, they're quite old. Uh, but, um, but, yeah, no, it's – and then you look at it a little bit deeper as like, well, okay, so your average age, it's kind of like you kind of go to the question like, well, what's the problem? Uh, is, it, is it like, you know, okay, so like a, if you have a bunch of players in their high 30s, in their late 30s, well, that's going to skew your average age quite a bit, right? Because the whole premise is, okay, young team, big problems. Uh, It's because you got, you know, you have 19-year-olds playing on your team or, you know, a bunch of, just a bunch of, like, you know what I mean? Like those really young players that are just too close. They don't know how to play the pro game yet. Right. But, so, yeah, anyways, I don't want to just, like, list off a bunch of numbers here, but I do want to hit hit you with a few. So, basically, uh, if... Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're you're looking and you hear like the radio guys or usually it's Kevin O. uh, God um, or uh, or you know or even the freaking coach like someone talk about how young they are. Basically, a big thing is the Jets. uh, The Jets did like Buff was the oldest player for the Jets, and he was one of the youngest oldest players. What about Matt Hendricks? Oh, shoot. Okay. Well, I didn't include that because that was like a <laughs> post trade deadline thing. And I think he played like one game, like four games or something, or
0: I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe something like that. Sorry. Uh, I had to put it in there. I was wondering how his age skewed it. Sorry. I, I have many, many thoughts about what you're sharing right now. So, well, now uh, you can post Now, when post it, you, posted, so- you can
1: say we discussed Matt Hendricks and we'll get a million clicks or whatever. So good job. Yeah. Good job. Way to go. Um, <laughs> okay. But yeah. So Buff is like relatively young, right? Uh, for an oldest player, he's 34. Uh, for example, like if the Jets would have, if the Jets would have traded for Matt Cullen, uh, who I think is the oldest player in the NHL, forty-two. If we would have traded for him, we would have just right away jumped from sixth, quote, sixth youngest team, to uh, to I think it's like eleventh or twelfth or something, like right, right at the middle of, towards the middle of the pack. So, anyways, wanted to say that. And then the other thing is, the Jets did not actually like. So the youngest player was Patrick Liney. And so our youngest player was twentieth youngest, or twentieth of uh, all—not twentieth youngest, but of all the teams, uh, youngest player. So basically, there were nineteen teams in the NHL that had a that had a a younger player on their roster than than the Jets did. So okay, so that puts us on the other side of on the other side of the discussion. Uh, Basically, the long story short is you look at groupings, and so the Jets do have. uh, a lot of players in the like basically in their early twenties like in kind of like think like Morrissey uh think like Morrissey um connor um Shai- i think Shifley fits in this category but uh, hellebach you know so a bunch of a bunch of those guys and so the jets had seven players in the twenty to twenty four category which puts them as tied for fifth so uh so so that's kind of where they the jets kind of kind of glut of players is there? they skew a little bit more there. Right. Um,
0: Well, and the the names you just mentioned, it's hard to, again, because I know you're talking about sort of the excuses about the youth, but right away, and I'm sure there's some people that will disagree, but uh, those players don't really sound that problematic, and their youth doesn't sound that problematic. And Patrick Liney in what his third season isn't exactly, you know, some pure rookie that we're, you know, worried about maybe the same way. I mean this sounds like, you know, he had back issues and it wasn't a great year for him. But I mean, my goodness, these aren't, you know, just a bunch of garbage, you know. Okay, going But exactly, that are like be throwaways, right? So
1: it wasn't a great year for him. How much was he how much was he paid? How much was Kyle Connor paid? If you're gonna if you're gonna complain about these players, like Line a had uh a bad year, like as far as as far as a player of his stature is concerned, but he scored what? Like 30, I think he still got 35 goals or something. He he was, I think he had 30 even 30 even. Okay. So he still hit 30 goals. Um, Kyle Connor hit how many goals? Like they're getting, this is crazy production and it's costing what? Like these guys are like a million, a million plus bonuses or whatever, like a million and a bit each, maybe like how are the jets like, are the jets supposed to complain about this or us fans? Like, well, Boy, you know, sure sucks that line a and line a sucks, or Connor doesn't know how to play defense. Well, fair, <laughs> sure? But if the Jets were okay, you know what? We're gonna go another route. We're gonna, we'd like to replace Patrick Linea somehow, and his thirty, his thirty goals on an off year. How are you guys, How are you supposed to replace that with like a twenty-eight year old free agent? Right. You can't. You, it's just you can't come close to that. Like that's just this huge asset, and it's so. I think that I, I get so furious when I hear it used as an excuse because I just look to what I like to hear is someone like Zidane Ochara, like you think you think he's using like i mean they're in the they're going to the finals and stuff, but you know if they end up falling short against the blues, you think you think anyone there is going to make some excuse like well, we have a bunch of rookies on our team or whatever
0: right yeah, that's like, a great on. thing you say, to say about them though that they're also some of the least paid players too right I mean obviously we know because they have entry-level contracts for first three years we know uh, who's who's up but this is part of the reason why some people um, are talking about the Jets window right to have opportunity to do things here is because when some of these guys get paid right whether even if it is some bridge deals it's gonna cost you probably some other players And it's not going to cost you. I mean, regardless of people like Brandon Tanev or something, I mean, he's not really the cap crunch. It's you know, uh, well, (laughs) we talk about Blake Wheeler's contract and maybe being a cap crunch or Brian Little, but uh, it's when you take a Patrick Line and a Connor and you move them from you know a combined uh, cap hit of you know four or five million dollars and all of a sudden make it a combined cap hit of. Fourteen million dollars, right? It's a you know a nine million dollars swing or so, whatever it is. I'm I'm just throwing out some numbers, but you get it. Like that's the thing that pushes out your ability to keep Jacob Truba or something, right? Uh, and obviously there's other issues surrounding Truba, but that's what makes it difficult to keep that player, right? And so then the, that that changes the window because now you're looking at players that are gonna not be as well established as. Again, I'll use Jacob Trouba as an example because we all probably think that he's leaving. But, I mean, coming off 50-point season, uh, that's not exactly somebody you want to be getting rid of. That's somebody you wanted to make sure you got the most out of while he was here. And, I mean, you could argue that we did last year. Uh, you know, this year, obviously, the team fell fell short a little bit. But you want to keep that window open as long as possible. And having these young guys that are skilled, you know, producing, uh, still learning, right, but having them for uh, for such low dollar, um, that's the window that is the window it's a, that, that's the main thing and I, I love what you said that the the difference between you know them being in uh, you know a fifth fifth lowest to the 11th lowest or whatever it was is adding you know 142 year old player that's not even getting rid of it's not even getting rid of your your lowest ones I mean if you take out some of the outliers of like your top three oldest players and your bottom three youngest players I, I mean it probably skews everybody much closer to the middle too, where it, the the margin difference between all of them is is close to meaningless, right? Uh, it's it's not really much of an excuse at all to talk about youth, especially when the youth are underpaid and so good, uh, and also when the the margins between the teams is borderline meaningless, right?
1: And and hey, like I, yeah, it's just something that when for the amount of times that that's been put out as as an excuse, just on the face of it, it's it's um. It's just, it's just so headed and uh, it's a very poor excuse, uh, you know, and you hear like, like the coach, it's just, yeah, I think it deserves to be said the uh, Maurice continues Well, back when, back during the season, you know, but he would, he would often say basically use basically the line, no excuses, but uh, you know, and then list his excuses and we'll talk about some of the other ones I think coming up, but, but uh but yeah, he would often, or it would often came out just how young the team was, and it's just on the face of it, it just it doesn't ring true because the Jets are lucky. Like we were bad for many years when the team first came back, and this was like this was the whole build, right? We were building towards something, and so now the Jets have a bunch of players, some of them on their ELC, like Line and Connor, playing for you know very. Relatively very little money. They have guys like Morrissey, he's bridged, right? Like that like this is this is a team friendly it's it's a team friendly situation to be able to bridge uh Morrissey and Truva, your top pair of defensemen. Uh and and I mean, yeah, you know, like you started talking about some of the Jets problems as far as the cap goes. Uh <laughs> but really, I mean, to me like, I, I I kinda cut I mean I kinda cut them some slack I kind of cut them some slack. I think like the, you know, the, I, sorry, I'm, I, I'm deciding whether or not to say, I mean, obviously like the little and Wheeler deals, uh, are, 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 um, I'd say, I'd say even like an optimistic fan would, would be like, you're kind of, would probably admit that you're kind of, those were kind of win now contracts. Cause you wanted to, you wanted to keep your, you wanted to keep those veterans around for, for kind of this early part of the window. Right. Right. But, but I mean, man, like the back, the, that third pair defenseman must have been the most expensive one in the league, uh, having, <laughs> having Myers and Kulikov. Like that was, like that was that was the Jets' most expensive pair, uh, and um, yeah, just in general, the Jets spent a ton of money on their defense, and I don't think that, I, I, I it'll be many years until we spend that much money again on our defense. I'm sure of it. So, yeah. but um, can I can I give you? I I don't want to. Unless you have more questions on, young, on the youth thing, I, I want to throw a couple numbers by and see what you think. So,
0: yeah, uh, for sure. I, I, I love that stuff. It's interesting too, but I think that'll be. We'll get more into that as we get closer to the season. We probably know uh, a few more people signed and traded, and, and that'll become clear. So we won't get too much into the cap stuff, but it is yeah. interesting. So, so, uh, so, hold on, so, I just, so Let's just finish a little
1: stuff. bit more up on the youth on the youth thing because I wanted to ask you, get your guess on. So if I if I told you that. Where do you think the Jets ranked in terms of minutes played by a rookie this year? Who did we have as a rookie? Who was a rookie this year? Niku, Niku, uh, Lemieux, Brendan Lemieux. I, I think. Yeah, I think I think he was our most minutes played from a rookie. Appleton. Niku Lemieux, a little bit from Appleton. I think there was, there might have been a game where was it Schilling or something like there was a couple spot starts or or. or kind of a uh, sort of emergency call-up on, on defense, a couple of those guys. Comrie, I think, played a game or something. Right. Okay. So, right, so, not, not, a very, not a very long list. So that, should, so that should kind of lead you where I'm going with this. But where do you think figure <laughs> the Jets were?
0: Uh, as far as minutes played by rookies, I'm going to say that the Jets were, let's put them at the same as their age category. They were the sixth least minutes played by a rookie.
1: Uh, well, oh, actually, you're one off, so they're 24th. So, I guess okay, that the, puts them at the seventh least, but uh, so so basically, they were they were in the bottom uh quarter of the league, uh, the bottom quarter, bottom third of the league as far as rookie uh, minutes played by a rookie. So, so we can't blame the rookies, so you can't blame the rookies. So, yeah. okay, but then the next thing as well, I mean, the Jets. The Jets, obviously, how many guys on their ELC? Like, okay, maybe they're not first-year players, but you know they're still they're still young dumbasses that are they they're all going around uh, getting uh, getting drunk and just trying to get laid instead of uh, instead of uh, playing eat, sleep, and breathing hockey, right? Right. Okay, and, and, and yeah, and clearly they're not
0: defensively sound because they're young and dumb. Right. Okay? Yeah. I mean,
1: uh, yeah. So Adam Lowry's off of his ELC. So the rest of the guys are uh, the rest of the guys are bad defensively. Well, I mean, I guess they kind of are. But anyways, uh, <laughs> Lina and Connor, Lina and Connor. But anyways, uh, minutes played by EL- ELC players on their ELC. Where do you think the Jets ranked?
0: Okay. Now is this total minutes or is it uh, minutes per player? Uh, uh, well, this that's is. That's really bad. It's probably total.
1: It's total probably... minutes. Yeah. Total minutes.
0: Okay. ELC um so it's just basically those two well i guess jack rosovic would uh would count on that as well for an elc
1: correct
0: um matt hendricks does not uh, patrick line <laughs> i'm just looking quickly at the players line a connor second uh, matt uh, hendricks Rosevic, and niku i guess would be the other one there we go so that's that's it for the for the elc guys um i'm gonna say that their elc guys played to you know there were some big minutes by a couple of those guys let's say they
1: were middle of the pack they were uh, 15th in the league for elc minutes aj i'm very impressed with you that's oh. for 13th so not bad okay pretty good pretty good pretty 13th. good performance. Lucky. And trivia we should have more podcast and- trivia i think we'll have to do that
0: Oh yeah, that was another thing I didn't mention at the beginning. It was uh, we still talking about doing trivia with uh, Ace Burpee, but uh, it takes me writing a bunch of questions because yeah, uh, you know, some of the other guys you need to submit some questions, and uh, he's a hard guy to get a hold of and pin down to, to time too. But we should do that this off season, actually because there's not as much going on. So look forward to jet-centric trivia with Ace Burpee
1: and Mike Friesen. There you go. Okay. Well, yeah. um, but but as far as our little trivia that we did there, it's yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so to me it's just this when you actually look at it, man, it's super overblown this whole jets were too young thing uh, it right. just it doesn't line up with the numbers. the NHL is a young league uh that's that's just that's the real story here the jets were the jets have a lot of young players or do have they do skew a little bit more towards being younger, but it's really slim margins and um, you know yeah i just i think I think that uh I think that that's just such a poor excuse, yeah excuse is, that excuse fails, well, the,
0: given that we're always talked about such a young team, not not just as excuses but in general and then what you just said about the rookies and the ELCs now I'm thinking we're, we're playing our old guys too much. We got too many old guys. This team is way too old. The Jets are just a bunch of old fogies. We play our old fogies too much. We need to get rid of the old. In with the new. We're not young enough. That's that's my my hot take. I take away from this. So I I you might know, I've,
1: I, I just just to I've wondered actually um, whether you're okay. You're a soccer fan, right? Uh, do you follow uh, like the whole? Uh, uh, the, okay, I might embarrass myself with this, but. Uh, a friend of mine who was more into that, he mentioned to me once that uh that Arsenal was was much of a was a very used to be at least a very developmental team. Or even if even if I'm totally wrong in offending people about this, but they're basically in in uh in the in the premier in the Premier League, you have some teams that take the attitude that they develop the players from when they're they're very young and and then but they but they they'll sell those contracts once they're established and and everything in the big, in the, in the league, you know? Um, but they, but they still can have a lot of success because their young players are just so good. Anyways, I've just wondered whether I've wondered whether it would be cool if, if, if at least one team in the NHL just took a hard line and, you know, kind of went Logan's run on, on what Logan's run on, on their roster and just like, didn't, didn't sign a player over 30. You know what I mean? Just like, just, just gone hard. just, okay, we, we bring in young players we have we play we we only pay players during their uh restricted free agency years, and then after that see yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it you,
1: you seven years that's all you get yeah. exactly you know what like Have fun it. year uh have yeah. have fun year you know and then and then it's like and then it's you're gone you you're, you're, hey, you're uh you're traded we trade you for draft picks um or we just we just don't pay we only pay the guys that we draft and and, you know, we just, sorry, team policy. We don't, no contracts after 30. We uh, will trade you to Vegas and you can retire there. There you go.
0: I love it. I would, I'm all aboard for that, but I have some pretty, pretty uh, dumb takes about things, but I, I don't know if that's a dumb one or not. I, I love it. I would do it in a, in, a, in a heartbeat. I think that's a great idea. I don't know.
1: What if they play in the play in Winnipeg, uh, all the young players, and then when the team turns 30, then we move the team back to Atlanta. <laughs> and just flip-flop it every 30 years. Then you'd, be, then you'd be happy. Then you'd be happy. Yeah. Uh, and the players might be happy, too, because it'd be warm. Yeah. All right. I don't want to get any more zany okay. on you. That's, hold, on, I just, hold on. I'll do, I'll do one more
0: crazy one. How about this? Okay. You trade every single player you have, yeah. right? Everybody you have, every draft pick and whatnot, to get all 31 first-round draft picks <laughs> you draft that year, you bring all those guys up the first year, and then after that, you know, they're off their ELCs. Everybody uh, gets, uh, what, $82 million divided by 23 players. Everyone gets uh, $4 million, right? It's a, communism. Right? Everyone gets the same amount. Communism people making $4 million. Uh, everyone gets the same amount. They're all in the draft year. They're going to suck for a couple years, and they'll figure out the chemistry will be elite. Uh, it'll be through the roof these guys. Uh, they'll all be connected by their their, their draft year. It'll be uh, It'll be a sight to behold and then like you said after uh, they get those guys once they get to Year six of control you trade them all for first-rounders for the next year Where they still have one year of control left on them,
1: right? They Boom. would share they would have they would share everything I mean even their girlfriends, right?
0: Yep, absolutely. That's that should be the hallmark of the Winnipeg Jets. We yeah. share everything. Um, <laughs> I love it. We're so dumb. People have shut us off right now. <laughs> this is great.
1: Um, I'm not so sure about that. I think. That, no, they're just uh, tuning in
0: now. Yeah, the ratings. The ratings. The ratings. Okay, so we talked about the young team. We talked about the leadership uh, stuff that uh, Char mentioned. Um, we're not really going to get into to rumors and stuff we were chatting a little bit before we started recording, which is uh, it's always fun to hear all the offseason stuff about what what's wrong with the room and what's, uh, you know, who, who we think is going to be in and out again. I think we'll save that for a later day when we know a few more facts and we'll talk about uh, players being signed. But uh, the article that Mike McIntyre wrote. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yep. No, go I ahead.
1: was just going to ask if you wanted to talk about that article. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was the next thing I'm moving into. The Mike McIntyre article. I did not read it. It was in the what the Free Press he writes for. Um, he talks about Maurice and whether or not uh, he should be to blame. I mean, everybody knows if you listen to this podcast. Uh, we, I think, I think, uh, I know that we're all trying to be fair, and I think that we do a pretty good job of it. But I think overall, and and uh, we've kind of come down on the side of Maurice. Is maybe not the right coach for this group. I think I think that's the fairest way that I can say it. Is honestly, if you gave him a group of the you know the twenty three, thirty year old vets that are all about grit, he might literally be the best coach in the entire league to coach those guys. But I think um, you don't. It doesn't really matter. I think sometimes it's a, this um, comparing coaches to each other and saying which coach you like better. I mean, the ideal is you, you, you're only going to get one coach. You don't get the, the other thirty or, or get to you know, s- steal from their brains at the same time. You just want to find the guy that optimizes your lineup. And I would say that this year uh, it, Maurice fell short with optimizing this lineup, making them the best they could be. Uh, so he definitely deserves some blame. And I mean, he is a coach. So right now he's the only guy that can fix it. So he should fix it. But uh, he does have to definitely shoulders on the blame. I'm not sure if he admits it or not uh, But there's an article Mike McIntyre wrote and uh, you read it. I did not uh, What was some of his conclusions about Maurice and his shouldering the blame and, and what part is his to own? Versus uh, what is probably out of his control by you know room dynamics or something like that that have been some of the, the, the talk
1: of the town Right, so yeah, so it's a it's a very basic article. I think the article that McIntyre wrote um, was uh it's funny how i guess groundbreaking or how how much of a buzz it will it is causing or will cause uh i mean you know you listen to this three days later maybe everyone's forgotten about it not trying to not trying to be like that but but uh basically it is kind of unique to have an article that he i think he finishes off aj just by saying that that um uh that you know he he says just something like okay well you know maurice You know, doesn't deserve a spot on the hot seat, but, uh, you know, his seat should be warming up, you know, just well, that's like that's not exactly very uh, uh, incendiary or, or, you know, he's not he's not uh, being bombastic at all. Uh, You know, that's kind of the conclusion that he reaches and how he gets there is just the really basic things like, okay, well, the team was really bad uh, after Christmas, like the Jets were you'll remember better than me. Where they rank their post post christmas uh uh you know, statistics or wins and loss record uh not very good so it was a really bad team uh after that he's also like i think behind john cooper now the longest tenured coach with the team so i mean it's just fair to bring that up you know our our players tuning him out uh he just right. he just kind of, he just kind of brings up a few things i mean he brings up the okay you know he's he's won a lot in this league and he's you know like like uh oh my god, he also mentioned how he's also like lost the most <laughs> uh uh you know, he's he's one of the one of the losingest coaches of all time too. So and I mean this is I think like you'd point out, we're not I'm not I'm not like, you know I try not to just, you know, bash bash the the coach or whatever. I think he's got a very he's got a lot of different components to his job. But um but yeah, I mean I think like McIntyre points out, he's he is yeah, he should have a performance review. That's what that's what he says. And uh right. you know, yeah, so he's so and I, so and I I I'm reading this I think it was I don't I think it was a pretty relatively bland article to be honest. Uh but uh but you know but what what's what is there there seems to be a pretty strong uh attachment attachment to the coach and you know want or, or at least a desire to blame blame players instead of, you know, management and stuff, you know. Right, um, from from the fans, not from Mac McIntyre's. McIntyre's kind of, he's kind of taking on that, that that aspect a little bit, eh? For in Jets media, he's he's sort of uh, he's sort of asking some of the tough questions and and writing some of the tough articles, eh?
0: Yeah, he seems like he's uh, kind of enjoying that again. I don't know how many people are doing that. I mean, we mentioned Murata already. I think he talks more not about the coach specifically i think he talks about the way the team is playing like he might say boy their power play is not being successful here's a bunch of reasons why but i don't think he usually looks to pin blame just more state the facts of what's what's happening right so it sounds like mike mcintyre's got into it a little bit more i know that he travels with the team so that's probably part of it um yeah uh, you know good for him i mean somebody should do it it's a uh, it's interesting, especially, and I, I mean, like you said, the article. There wasn't maybe much there. It's it's off season, right? So what else is there? I'm um, looking up actually the Jets' record. I think it was February that they really, really, really shit the bed. But in March, it looks like they were eight and seven, which wasn't that great. Um, April, I don't remember exactly. Uh, February wasn't was really really bad, and. That's all I remember off the top of my head or that I could find quickly here. So um, yeah, everybody knows they weren't that great after Christmas. And this is a thing that I always think is interesting. Not interesting, but important to remind people. You know, there might be some room dynamics. It sounds like there is. sounds like some of the players aren't getting along or there's some ruffled feathers, as Maurice likes to say. Um, But... uh, The coach can't control all those things, right? He doesn't control these guys on their their time off and what they say and do and who they hang out with and what their feelings are towards hockey. But at the same time, the players also do not control their line mates, their time on ice, if they're on special teams, the uh, uh, general uh, uh, formations and and, uh, strategies that they're implementing. So that's all on the coach. So, I mean, there's some responsibility that I think – People just want to dump on top of the coach to fix everything and make every you know make sure you inspire all your players because if you don't, you're a bad coach. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that, right? And, but then there's also times where it's like people want to blame the players because hey, you didn't do enough in your 13 minutes of ice time. I mean, while well, there's five players on, you know, playing 60 minutes, that player 13 minutes, you know, is a decent amount of time for a player, but it's relatively small impact compared to the total number of iced minutes by players like 300 minutes right so five players times 60 minutes so i mean if you play 13 total minutes out of 300 it's not that big there's other people doing stuff too right and they need to be responsible for their stuff as well so um i I always find it interesting where people assign blame it usually shows people's bias if they're more uh pro coach or pro certain players or anti-gm or whatever it is right but uh, I don't always find that it's it's fair fair commentary. I no, think it's I I try to keep the context. So
1: no, I, I mean um, I think it's right. I mean like you know it's okay. Well, should every team fire their coach and stuff? I mean I yeah I don't know. It seems like it's a pretty tough job. And um, and like yeah like he's I've always kind of been struck by okay so Maurice is uh, really good at one what aspect of the job? Okay, so he's I think it's safe to say he's really good at talking to the media, right? Like he's, he's a right. likable person, you know, the average, average jet stand would, like, would watch him and it's kind of like Noel, you know, he's really funny, but Maurice comes across as just a little bit more credible and less goofy, I think. So, right. but, he, but he, you know, wow, like really good at talking to the media and stuff. Um, okay. Like, how is he, as far as like a systems guy, uh, how is he, as far as uh, observing and making decisions on which players are good and which players are bad? Like, right. Like how to dole out the ice time. How is he on line matching? How is he on um, changing things mid game? Um, there's like there's a ton of there's a whole bunch of aspects. How how is he with managing uh, egos in the room? Like how is he if uh, you know if his if his captain's being too hard on on some young players or whatever? How good is he with pulling you know hey uh, hey Blake uh, you know hey you know here here's a funny anecdote about a time I. I caught a really big fish and didn't know what to do with it and uh, so see you know go out there and be a good leader okay all right you know I mean (laughs) one of us got cut
0: off maybe both of us Uh, was there anything else you want to say about the your your Maurice
1: take there oh just I don't know other than the fact that um, yeah he's being an NHL coach seems like such a weird multifaceted uh, job where you're like basically responsible for you know this 70 million dollar payroll you know not to mention all the other millions of dollars in this whole operation uh it just seems so wild to me but at the same time you know the results are results are bad he totally mcintyre's right he should be on he should be on the the very warm seat i would say yeah well um
0: i think uh you raised some good points and i hope that we caught the audio for it of uh Basically, there are so many things that you could use to evaluate, you know, whether or not Maurice is doing a good job. Just again, talking about the, the McIntyre article, um, how he deploys his lines, you know, uh, how he line matches, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so we're not doing a report card necessarily on him. But I think when people say, oh, he's so good at talking with the media or I like the way he talks, it's like literally just evaluating person on on one thing versus everything else, and I'm not even commenting on how good he is at that or bad at other things. But it's like if your kid comes home from school and they got an A plus in math and they got D's in everything else, and you tell them that they did a great report card just because they got A's in math. I mean, math is important, oh. but right? You don't. You don't. You don't. Well, I guess if you're good at talking to the media and that's what people are evaluating your coach coaching on. I'm sorry, I'm running water the background realizing that's a terrible thing to do right now don't do dishes while you're recording podcast um, but, but yeah do you, it's more, tap,
1: uh, do you run the tap if you're in a hotel in Moscow man you got to keep the KGB off you. I have no idea what that reference is but I will say that being good that's at talk- common common knowledge man you know what if you're gonna have a, if you're gonna have some uh, talk about some off the record shit you got to run the tap otherwise oh I see uh, you know what I mean Hey, by the way, we did leave out one important detail that yeah, if, we do, if we ever do a, a Maurice episode, uh, you, NHL coaches, the biggest thing on the report card is, uh, did they force their goalie to play great, good, or bad? So <laughs> that's the most important part. Right. Like, like Maurice did a bad job of forcing Hellebuck to be uh, a top five goalie this year, which is, which is a pretty big uh, uh, blight on his performance this season, so... I hope people are catching that <laughs> that you're,
0: you're you're joking obviously because uh, basically it, a lot of people believe that Hellebuck saved Maurice from being on a hot seat last year because he played Vesna Caliber and was you know by some estimations the Jets' most important most valuable player last year right so um, that's one. Well, I don't I would... know. Look
1: at like I mean I mean for all I know man like the Jet for all I know. Some people are making fun of this kind of statement, but for all I know, the Jets would be in the uh, in the finals this year if if you could wave a match, if, if if Connor Hellebuck uh, outplayed Jordan Binnington, which is a massive if. But uh, you know, I don't know. Like yeah. the, like like I I don't know. It's probably the two best goalies in the playoffs. There, I don't know.
0: Maybe I, I, I have no comments. I mean sometimes when it comes to goalie talk, I like getting into it a bit, but goalies are voodoo. We all know that. They're they're weird. The the way that their play sort of comes and goes so quickly is is unusual and, and it's more noticeable than with players. You know, if a player has an off game, it's way less uh noticeable and doesn't affect things nearly as much. I mean goalies are on for 60 minutes, so you see it all, right? Uh that's the they're they're there for it all. So they kind of live and die by by their performance probably more than other people do in a way but I was gonna say with a coach who's good at talking to the media this is I was gonna try and make a joke here it's more like getting it that's like getting an A plus in gym class right and, and getting D's in all the important subjects so if you like the way Maurice talks I'm not saying he's bad at talking I'm not even saying he's bad at other stuff just I don't think that's the best way to evaluate a coach is whether or not they sound good in a press conference that's it's mostly meaningless and they're mostly kind of talking nonsense it's it's not all facts they're kind of dealing with you know the situation at hand trying to you know avoid certain questions and topics and and whatnot so you got to stand in front of there and you know talk nonsense or whatever you want for a couple minutes. I could
1: I could go I could take the contrarian standpoint on on we could play the contrarian game on this and I would disagree with you but 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 I think we should probably not do that. <laughs> No, we should probably wrap it up and just be done here. We I should go to we know. should go to we should go to sleep. But um uh yeah, uh I don't know. Basically, I think like we kind of the the issue we kind of circled mostly to um to like the excuses and uh I mean I think that I think I what I really wish we could just stop talking about is like the really dumb excuses like the Jets were a young team and uh you know, like Blaming travel or blaming that trip to Finland and stuff like uh, I just I think that I think that it would be we would all have a better summer uh, and uh, and just we'd have better lives if we could just get everyone just to agree that that those we shouldn't talk about that. Those are bad excuses and stop it. Just let's all let's all have better lives together and and uh, just just not talk about that bullshit. God. Well,
0: well, hopefully we don't go on another tangent here, but, but I'll just ask you maybe as a closing thing. What is a good excuse? Why are the Jets not, you know, in the Stanley Cup Finals? I mean, whatever. Playoffs is small sample size and anything can happen. But what would be a good excuse? What's a good excuse for why the Jets, you know, were pretty bad after uh, December? And I mean, they were—they were better in the playoffs. Uh, they did have a bit—a bit of a spike. I think that they were showing some signs, but you know, they, they they couldn't get past a team that they were mostly mostly even with. And some would argue the goaltending was the difference there. But uh, why were the Jets? Well, what's a good excuse? Tell me why. Why? why, why are they bad? I, I want an excuse that puts puts this all to rest. So I know exactly what happened
1: oh like as far as like actually explaining what happened with the jets or like I'll I'll, yeah. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I actually think that you're that's a really good question you ask uh in just in general uh not so not jet specific but if you want to ask me like what an actual good excuse for an NHL team is injuries. I always think that that's like such a big deal um if uh you know, like if you, yeah, if, if you have like an injury plague season and, um, you know, so like Nikolai Ehlers, like leads the team in, um, leads the team in shots for the playoffs, but, but, uh, but, you know, like for the last, the last game and a half he's playing with a fractured bone in his foot and stuff like, like those, like those are good, like those are good excuses. Um, I think like. I think that beyond that, I just think that hockey is such a like such a lucky game, and man, I think I think that as as far as the Jets goes, I think that the biggest thing is like when I talk with my dad about it, he, you know, would just often just come back to you know what, They're, the this year the Jets have a target on their back, and um, like last year, like before last year, teams would teams would obviously like you know they, whatever the game plan for the Jets, but. But but they weren't a measuring stick, and I think this year the Jets were a measuring stick for teams. I think that the Jets did things like they played a, um, a like a unique kind of man-to-man style defense, and I think that when your team makes it to the Western Conference Final and and uh, looks like a Cup favorite, I think that all of a sudden teams and coaches actually put in the work and actually make sure their players game plan because they know that okay we we don't want to lose six to one. There's enough offensive firepower in this team. We could get embarrassed. Uh, I think, I think that that's, I think that's one of the big differences uh, from, from last year to this year.
0: Right.
1: And, um, but, but beyond that, I think it's, I think it's just kind of like, I think it's just kind of like, you know what, Connor Hellebuck first year off of signing his, his big new deal. Apparently, apparently that's pretty first year after signing your, your new deal. You just you're going through a lot of like personal life changes and stuff. Like you're you know, I don't know what your relationship is like with your partner. Spending all that money. (laughs) yeah, you're you're buying a house, you're furnishing your house, you're getting in an argument with your partner about how serious your relationship is or how to you know what I mean? Like all that stuff. Uh like I think that's like a real thing. And so and so even if that just drops his save percentage down like, you know, uh you know, nine points or something like that, like that's that's a big deal. Or, you know, if that means that he it gets out goaltended by Jordan Biddington. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we're, maybe we've, if if that wouldn't have happened, maybe we've recorded twenty three podcasts over the last twenty three days because the Jets are still playing and we're all still like insane about the Jets. So.
0: And yeah, that's it. That's how the episode ends. Mike, in mid sentence, we didn't finish a thought there. We got cut off, and then we just said, let's go to bed. It was late. So um, so that's it for the episode. But if you want to keep listening, they're uh, going to play for you the national anthem from game one of the Jets playoffs this year uh, versus St. Louis at home from my seats. It was pretty, pretty lit, as the kids say. So here it is. Maybe give you some chills. Enjoy. That's it for the episode. We'll try and have something soon. Okay. Here it goes.